we had chips. I didn't get to get away for lunch. So the first thing I had today, besides a breakfast lunch this morning, was a dinner. And oh. we had a light like salmon meal tonight. Mm. So it just did not fill me up. And I've been like knacking incessantly ever since. I'm so hungry all the time, but I'm trying not to eat my kids' big bars. <laughs> and so like I bought dates. Oh, dates are awesome. Oh yeah. I've never had them before. And I got this big bag of them at Costco. Mm. So dates are good. I had, I polished off some strawberries earlier, mm-hmm. some blueberries earlier. I ate two bananas just now, like a few minutes nice. ago. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I had like a handful of almonds. And I'm just yeah, I'm trying to just load my gut with fiber with stuff and tell it to stop wanting sugar because yep. this is the time of day where it's like, okay, it's dangerous. Like I could, I could put away a lot of crap if I wanted to, but I'm trying hard not to. Fruits and, and almonds and stuff like that are like the best things that you can snack on. Yeah. Cause it feels the most filling. Yeah. Like this is all empty calories right yeah. here. But I'm like, I just need calories. I have to have food. Yeah. Like, I just need things. And so I was like, I can either push the podcast a little longer, like starting and like pop some popcorn or do something. But I was like, yeah, these are here. I'm just grabbing on going. Yeah. I I, I keep, I, I buy and cook and subsequently have a lot of leftovers of meat. And mm. so like, I try really hard to go, nope, there's stuff in the fridge. There's chicken in the fridge. I could just make, I could just eat the chicken. I could eat the ham. Mm-hmm. I could eat the fish. Like there's there's stuff in there. There's rice in there. Just stuff I could eat. Yep. I know that for like the past month, I have not been having enough water. And so that's also like, I also know I'm really just thirsty. Honestly, we don't have chips like this very often. Like like grab and go bags of chips. And I'm like, I'll just grab them. I'm having them. I don't know what they were for, but (laughs) they're for me now. So Kellen was just at my house and um, we were both sort of talking each of us about how fat we've become, (laughs) like how, how much weight we've gained. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and as part of it's like the new year, sure. But like, even, even after, even like towards mid December, I was like, really need to try to have another push to, to get back on track with it, with all this. So just for a while I was doing real good. I was, uh, but then I haven't been running since uh, I got like, I think I got like sick or something in October, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I was about to get back on the horse and I knew I was going in to get this, this, you know, ink done on my shoulder. And I was like, I'm not yeah. going to be able to run after that. And so I was like, well, then there's no point. And then like there was the touch ups and I was like, no, nah, now it's cold. <laughs> it's, it's just. Are you not supposed to run after a tattoo? You can, it's just what you're really, the best thing to do after you get one is just to moisturize it and leave it alone. Like Mm. don't, don't wear tight clothing on it. Like you're trying to prevent unnecessary friction and infection. I was like, I probably shouldn't sweat into it (laughs) and, you know, have it rub on all my running shirts are tight and sleeved. And so I was like, okay. Yep. So I just thought yep. it was a bad idea and it was, it was just getting cold. And then my wife was working nights and she was in school and I was just like, okay, so the only time I can run is in the early morning. And that's like when it's the coldest and I just lost my, I just couldn't do it. And so yep. between yep. that and like stress eating, I was just like, oh, yeah. My daughter told me the other day, she goes, I thought she was pushing me in a cart, something we were doing something. And she was like something about, you know, yeah, all 200 pounds of you. And I was like, I, I don't weigh that much. <laughs> 200 pounds all 700 pounds of you dad she also thinks i'm old when she talks about when she talks about old people like you you know i'm 35 it's what a 10 year old would say but like yes please you know what's funny the other day i was into i was listening to a podcast i can't remember what it was but they they mentioned something about um being in the prime of your life in thir- at 35. And I was like, and I, li- I literally, I thought something, I, I thought, 
man, I'm a few years away from that. And then I was like, oh, wait oh a I'm there. Yeah. Oh, no, I am there. <laughs> this is now. <laughs> what is Prime at 35? I have no idea. There's really no upsides to being 35 no. inherently, unless it's, right. it all, it's all perspective. Like, there's inherent upsides to being like 25. It's like, I can rent a car now. But that's the yeah, that's right. the last like fun milestone. After that, it's just yeah. closer to being dead. I'm 35. I have a mortgage. I have a mortgage. Oh, nothing's changed. You know, I have a mortgage and my mm-hmm. knees hurt. Oh, help. It's, it's to the point. I'm, I'm not I'm not like as we record this, <clears throat> I'm not yet 35, but I've explained to people that I just turn over my birthday at the first of the year because it's pointless for me to to, you know, like cherry pick my age like that. Sure. Like I don't. I'm not. I'm not like weird about it. It's just like it's just easier for me to just go ahead and accept well. it. <laughs> yep. 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 As as a couple of thirty uh, something men, it's becoming harder and harder for me to identify with things like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> uh huh. Um, which I guess we'll talk about the series and I suppose the movie by comparison. Yeah. Did you Did you rewatch the film? I did rewatch the film. Okay. I own the film. I have it on Blu-ray. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't own it, but it's on Netflix. Yeah, so I didn't watch it. I watched it on Netflix, but I had the Blu-ray <laughs> out ready until I realized it was on Netflix. Yeah. And then I got lazy. I was like, I'm not going to set up my player. I'm just going right. to click play. I, it went against all my principles. I was like- I was going to say, you're part of the problem. Hoover. I know, I own it. And I was like, it's just, just easier to click. And I clicked and then I cried. <laughs> What have I become? Oh. I'm 35 and I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> I'm, I'm their key demo. Well, no, yeah, I'm right. not actually. No, probably not. No. Um. No. <laughs> nope. Ramona. The girl of my dreams? It's time to wake up, dude. I had a dream about that girl again. I didn't care the first time you told me. Care even less now. Toronto, Canada. Not too long ago. Hey, wanna go out sometime? You wanna go on a date with me? Ramona Flowers has seven evil exes, all of whom you must defeat in order to date her. What? Info dump was inevitable. Pilgrim Takes Off is the, is the show. It's a Netflix show. Um, every time I type it in, I accidentally type Scoot Pilgrim. Uh, Scoot. And then it makes me laugh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, this is based on the comics, the Scott Pilgrim comics by Brian Lee O'Malley. He's also like essentially the showrunner here. He co-developed it, co-wrote it. And um, what's fun about this, this is, this is anime. Um, mm-hmm. And... What's fun about it for people um, is that uh, the English dub is the voice cast from the Edgar Wright film, which was released in 2010. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. When we were in college. <clears throat> yep. Um, I don't know how you want to structure this, but I, I just want to say the first thing I think of when I think of Scott Pilgrim is we were like smack in the middle of like the perfect age and time and place to watch that yeah. film. Yep. We were in our 20, early 20s. Uh, we were surrounded by hipsters. Some of us yep. were, are hipsters. Uh, yep. Yep. Everyone we knew was in a band of some kind. Yep. Um, and uh, and everyone, every one of us were familiar with video games and 
yeah. video game culture. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, I remember, I don't remember where I first, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw, saw Scott Pilgrim, they played it in the trustees theater. Yep. That's where I and saw I it think first. that's where the first, I think when we all went to that, that was my first time seeing yep. it. And that was yep. fun. Yeah. It was a fun, a fun screening for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I bought it, but nothing, nothing will beat that first. Just watching it in a theater full of college kids. That was. Yeah. That all enjoyed it yeah. and identified with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's, it's, uh, I enjoyed the film. I never bought it. Um, although I think now I might, but like I never bought it back then because I feel like I liked it only moderately, like out of all of us. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it was about it, but like it was a great screening experience, but I never felt like the fit, like I truly identified with the film, even though it did a lot of things that I should identify with. It said a lot of things and had a lot of references to things that I liked, but I never really quite latched onto it for whatever reason. And, um, and now like rewatching it, I feel like it, maybe I've stumbled on at least one of the reasons. And I think it's because, and maybe it's because I, I have watched it after I watched Scott Pilgrim takes off is I feel like it's a little rushed. Like it's a, it's a good movie, but I feel like this story is so in depth, right? There's seven villains to fight that you, I I found myself like reeling a little bit from the whiplash of like, now we're here, now we're here, now we're here, now we're here. And (laughs) it's a little bit fast and a little bit much. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like without that time to like truly breathe and feel what Scott is feeling, uh, for me, I think it kept me at, at arm's length, but, but I enjoyed it. And I certainly, I think I enjoy it more now, weirdly enough, um, just because I don't know, maybe there's a nostalgia to it, but it, but it's also, I think I appreciate it more now. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I'm older. I've seen more films. I've seen more of Edgar Wright's films. Like at the, at the time, I don't think I'd ever seen an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. I don't think I had either. Maybe Shaun of the Dead, but. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe I saw Hot Fuzz. I can't remember, but like it, it, I, it was one of those I saw first. And yeah. Um, yeah, but now having seen so many, if not all of Edgar Wright's movies, I certainly feel like, oh, this is like, it is an Edgar Wright movie. And I have way more appreciation for what he brings to it. Um, And so, so I feel like I appreciate it more now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think specifically, I thought about like Baby Driver, like that's one of those films that feels similar in tone, I suppose, to this one. Which I do own Baby Driver. I, I I like that movie a lot. Yeah, I like Baby Driver a lot. Um, and I feel like it's almost the more mature version of this. Mm. Um, or, or I don't know. I don't know if mature is the right word, but like the the more palatable for the normal audience, like right. for the normies that aren't aren't like super steeped in uh, gaming culture <laughs> yeah. and nerddom, indie music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, maybe it's just a little more palatable. Like, like I always think like the layman, would I, which of Edgar Wright's movies would I, I like recommend first? Yeah. And I'm like, well, probably I would recommend Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz, right? They, they seem to be the most accessible. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe it would be Baby Driver. Like, yeah. it feel, it just feels so accessible. Uh, yeah, I agree. And this feels very niche. Yeah. Yeah. The film, the film's really niche. Um. It was, you know, enjoyable, but, um, I found it maybe just for me, I watched it. I'm like, oh, okay. Like there's, there's things I like about it, but I think I just identify less with it or I cringe a little more at it and I go, okay. Like, you know, we're leaning a little into like what it was like to, to, to be a fan of Michael Sarah at the time and early Aubrey Plaza and just some of the stuff, you know, pre Captain America, Chris Evans, it was just pre-Captain yep. Marvel, Brie Larson. Yep. Um, you know, it was more like I, I look at that cast and I'm like, okay, some of it is just like reminds me of the time that it was made. Yeah. Um, but I think that this show is a good compliment to it because yes. I was watching it thinking, oh, this is 
like a react. This is the same story because the dialogue was the same. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can, I can watch eight episodes of this story again, I suppose, but yeah. I'm not thrilled to. And sure. then when it deviates, I was like, oh, yeah. okay, at least this is something different. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because I I watched I rewatched the film. I'd only seen it the one time mm-hmm. at, at the Trustees Theater in what was that? Probably 2011 when school yeah. started. Yeah, and um, that's the only time I'd ever seen it. And um, and I had vague memories of it. Like I remember, our, you know, big set pieces and you know whatever. But I didn't remember a lot about it. So I'm watching the first episode and going like, this seems really familiar. Like I think I'm remembering all of this, and it's starting to come back to me. And then when what happens at the end of the first episode happens, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I think like I know this isn't the way that that played out. Yeah. And then the second episode opens and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is cool. This is something different. Yeah. And because I I, like you thought this is just a, a retelling. Like my impression of it was that the creator had said, I like the film, but I can do it more closely related to my books. Yeah. But I'm going to use your cast, Edgar Wright. And, but I'm going to do the books. Yeah. And like, that's what I thought this was. Yeah. And, and it turns out to be a pseudo sequel, alternate timeline. It's crazy. It's, it's off the wall bonkers. Yeah. It's, it's a reboot sequel, alternate timeline. Um, and, uh, I didn't expect that. Totally didn't expect it. Caught me off guard. Yeah. Um, I, I think the show is fine. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that I would recommend this to a re- to regular people, <laughs> to, to mm-hmm. the, to a mainstream audience, because sure. I think that, like we said, I think the subject matter, the writing, it's, it's, it's just niche. And yes. I think that I can't picture my brother watching this show or even right. clicking on it. Um, yes. Yep. So it's a really good compliment to the film and it's executed in probably the best way, you know, it could have been. There were times where I didn't know if it was just me being like weirdly elitist, but I was like, some <laughs> of this animation is so, and sound design just felt so basic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me it's, it's certain areas and I can't really describe why maybe it's just the, the, the simplicity of the character's movement or the, the relative non-fluidity of how they would move in a dialogue scene versus mm. like an action scene. Yep. It reminded me of John's like senior project, mm. like the mm-hmm. way his person would move. And I would go, huh, I just feel like this should be a cut above that with, but whatever. And and, that, and that's me just like, okay, if I obviously don't know what the budget was for this and yeah, this could be a, an artistic choice. And so it just didn't work for me, I guess. Sure. In the way that it could have, cause I've seen really great anime. Yeah. It, it can be very fluid and dynamic. Um, yeah. Plot wise, I found myself sort of bored throughout mm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was the writing or if it was the voice performances, but there were a lot of times between set pieces where I was kind of slipping away from the narrative. And I thought like the narrative was confusing enough to make me detach from the stakes of the story. Sometimes Mm. Uh, like things would be happening. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then something would happen. I go, wait, but how does, okay. Oh, well, but like we just, we, it's, it's a little fast itself. It's not as fast as the movie. Yeah, but it's a little quick itself. But then there are times where it gets really slow and like cerebral, and yeah. which is great for a show like this to do. But there are those times where I'm like, I don't know what's happening, and yeah. I feel like I've been left behind by the plot somewhat. Sure. Um, so I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like it, it's it, it should have been done like this. I just don't. I I certainly don't think a mainstream person would could enjoy this this mm-hmm. feels more like this was made for us sure. and it's cool but it's more like i feel like it was made and the only reason i watched it was because the cast came back yeah. but if the english cast if they had just been like yeah we'll just get some rando actors to to voice this i wouldn't have watched it and yeah. i feel like it was just a tack on to, to I don't know. Um, sure. In a weird way. <laughs> sure. No, I hear you. I So for me, in terms of the animation, 
um, it varies, right? There are, there are times where the animation is beautiful yeah. and it, and it's fluid and it's fantastic. And, and I think that there it's stylistically, uh, those moments are stylistically chosen. Um, and then, and then I think, um, or I'll say this, they may be, but they may be chosen by budget. They may be forced upon them, sure. but they, they, they chose the right moments to get cheap and the right moments to sure. go all out. Yeah. Um, and, and then there are also times where, um, to your point, specifically, I'm thinking of the episode that features Chris Evans character prominently. Mm-hmm. Um, where I felt like a lot of the sequences of Lucas Lee skateboarding felt really, um, th- this is, this is a, a, a really obscure reference. And I don't know if anybody's going to understand this, but really news groundsy. Um, I don't know if you remember, there's a website called Newsground, new, Newgrounds, Newgrounds. Yeah. That, the stick um, figures fighting. It, it, yes, that was that was one of its claims to fame. So but this is this is like early days pre YouTube, yeah. where people could create animation and put it online, and you could view it in their like little flash player, and um and it felt a lot like that to me. Um, but but I didn't I, like I initially I bumped against it, mm-hmm. but then it would like it would come out of those moments and into something that looked pretty good, and so my question, uh. What I what I'm unclear on is were those moments done by somebody different for budgetary reasons? You know, was it was it done more cheaply because of budget or because of a style or like what what was the the purpose of that? Um, And it may just be a budget thing. It may just be that look, we've got eight episodes of this thing to film. It was some point something's going to slip. Um, and this this happens with all shows, right? Like you'll you'll have Batman the Animated Series. It's a great show, beautifully animated. Nobody debates that. But you'll find episodes that are better animated than others. Sure. Um, and and those those stand out like as being like beautiful. But then those ones where you know it's animated by another another production house somewhere, and it's like eh, it's a little bit off model. That Joker's not quite right, you know. And and you start <laughs> to pick up on those things. And like I don't know if it's a case of that here or if it's truly a budget. Like I'm not sure, but it doesn't bump me too bad because I'm used to that in animation. Um, every TV series has its episodes that are gorgeous, and every series has its episodes that are not as gorgeous. Um, and so, mm-hmm. so it didn't bump me too much. Um, but but that but if somebody asked me like, can you describe the animation? I would say it's beautiful anime that looks like the 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 story that is based on it looks like the comics yes it uh, does. like th- this isn't going to be like hyper realistic <clears throat> it's not going to be like pluto uh, this is going to be something that that looks more like the comics that it's based on um and, but it's a beautiful version of that um and it can also look a little like news new grounds and so um so that that's kind of where i come down on that as far as like well who would i recommend this to yeah i i mean i don't know that i would recommend this to like my dad and I certainly would recommend this to like my brother, even though he's way more steeped in like the gaming culture. Um, I, I still think it's too niche even for him. And so I don't know who I'd recommend this to. And I don't know why I chose to watch it other than that for a few years now, I've had this weird urge to like rewatch the movie. Mm-hmm. And then this popped up and I'm like, Oh, this has the original cast. And I thought, Oh, this is a retelling of the movie. I'll just watch this. Right. Because it's the new thing. And then I was so shocked and surprised when it wasn't um, that maybe that's flavoring my opinion of it. But I really enjoyed this. And um, and I found I found it easier to follow uh, because it takes I say easier to follow, not like uh, like I have problem with the plot mechanics, but um, easier to follow in that I can track the emotional journey a little easier mm. um, for our character who it, in this film, which I guess we're in this series, which we're in spoilers, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, is Ramona. Um, Ramona is our protagonist here for for the most part. Um, and, and I feel like it's way easier to track her emotional journey in this than it ever was with Scott in, in, in the film. And I think that that's for a couple of reasons. One, the film is shorter. Everything's truncated. Um, and because of that, also, everything's a little heightened. So you have like this moment where like in the film, Scott is fighting the the evil exes, but you never really feel it until like it bubbles up at one point um, and he's 
kind of rude to her and mean to her because he's just over it. He's just done fighting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, but this kind of came out of nowhere. Like you weren't mad after the first one, but you're mad after the sixth one. It just seems seems weird that it just kind of like happens. But in this, it's way easier for me to track Ramona's emotional journey as she reconnects with her exes. Yeah. And 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 then there's like redemption for them. Yes. Um, and and I think that that to me, this feels more mature. Yes. Because it has something better to say. In <laughs> yeah. in the if we talk about the theme of the original of the film, the theme seems to be like, here's two people that aren't really all that great. Uh, apart and they get together and their kind of badness toward everybody else is kind of mirrored by each other. And so they're good for each other. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of like what it, what it is like, find somebody on your level, I guess is the theme. Sure. But in this, in this series, it feels way more like this is a therapy session for Ramona to say like, you, you have been, um, at times callous and at times flippant and at times, you know, just downright uh, dismissive of your, of your partners. And, and you found somebody who truly cares for you. And now, or at least it seems that way, she doesn't get to know him for very long. And, and she wants to try that. And so in, in doing that, she has to sort of face the ghosts of her past. That to me is a way like better story, like facing the ghost of your own past than facing the ghost of your ex's past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, that makes it a better, more mature, maybe more relatable story, more personal, um, more personal. And, and then, and then the story takes this weird direction, which I love where Scott comes back, but we, we realize that he's been in the future and and this is where it becomes sort of pseudo sequel mm-hmm. because we see that his in in what would be prime timeline um, his relationship with Ramona does not work out right but it, but it's really not because of her it's because of him it's because of Scott yeah. Scott didn't have his big emotional journey that we just watched Ramona go through so he can't uh, he can't be with her and 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 Ramona. Uh, now having gone through what she's gone through and then Scott conversely now kind of fighting instead of the ghost of his past, sort of the ghost of his future, yeah. um, gets to realize how he needs to be with her. And so, which, which is, you know, forgiving and allow her to, you know, express herself, allow her to take some distance if she needs it. Allow, don't, don't be so clingy. Don't be so, uh, aggressive, uh, and, and possessive of her. And, and so all of these things, it feels like there's a greater story here in this series and, and a better story to tell. And, and so I enjoyed that. And, and again, it feels more, uh, mature to me. Um, and maybe that's the artist now having reminisced on his own work and saying like, I think I could tell something different and maybe something a little more nuanced. And I think that's what you end up with here. And I think that all of the all of the elements kind of work better here. And partly that's because it's animation, right? So the the elements where, you know, essentially old Scott goes Super Saiyan is <laughs> seems to work a whole lot better here for me yeah. than if that had happened in live action. Um, because it feels uh it feels more justified in this genre or in this medium rather. Yeah. Um and um and i think the 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 moment where they get where ramona and scott get to fight together against evil future scott is a great moment and then we get you know super ramona at the end and it's just like it, it's like feeding it's a feeding everything you grew up on whether it's dragon ball z sonic the hedgehog like all of your Pac-Man, all of your, you know, random Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, like all of these things you grew up on, throw them into a blender, hit the button and like, but also tell your own story. Mm -hmm. Like this feels to me like its own story that utilizes those elements rather than, and this is not really a knock on the film, but like rather than a story that is built around those references. 
Um, and, and so to me, that's why I feel like this is a more mature version of this story. Um, because again, it doesn't feel like it's built around the references. It feels like the references are informing the, the story choices made rather than dictating them. And, um, and so I don't know, it, it, it's weird, but that, that's kind of where I come down on it. I, I much prefer the, the, the series. Um, although I will say some of the, um, like there are some moments that stick out as being like a little bit too, um, off the narrative. Like there's this whole subplot where Brandon Routh's character, uh, falls in love with Wallace Wells. And like, (laughs) it's a a funny bit, but it's that it's a bit. And it feels like that takes the full episode. Um, and takes a little bit of the spotlight away from Ramona because remember at this point, like we're, we're fully in Ramona's eyes and then suddenly we're given an episode that's in the eyes of a random documentarian. Yeah. It feels like it deviated. Um, and so, and so that episode, you know, was, was a little miss for me because it, it wasn't told through Ramona's POV, but it was told through a documentarian. Um, but, um, but apart from that weird narrative misstep, I think, I think it's a pretty solid journey. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And there, and there's a lot of funny stuff. Like I, I did find myself laughing and chuckling at at things here and there. Like, Mm -hmm. um, did you notice the director of the Scott Pilgrim film in the thing is Edgar wrong? Yeah. Like, like these are, I don't know. And then like, uh, uh, um, uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg have a cameo and I don't know, it, it, it's a bunch of, there, there's some cool stuff in here and things that got chuckles from me. Yeah. Keep in mind too, like it's something you're saying, like you, you mentioned how you watched the film after this because you realized that this was not a retelling of the film's story. Yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't scratch that itch until you watched the film. So I watched, I rewatched the film before this. Oh, okay. So part of gotcha. my exasperation or whatever could it have been. Okay. Like I, you, I've, too I've, much? I've spent times, <laughs> I, you know, like maybe I'm too steeped in this world, you know, like I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, so who knows? I don't know. Um, who knows? I did really love, I thought the music was great. Um, yeah. Music's great. Uh, a whole lot of music, a whole lot of songs. I like. I looked yep. at. I saw like fifty something songs. Yep. Were like written and recorded by this band called Anamanaguchi, who I actually did know about. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I did know about that. It was crazy. I was wow. like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Look at that. Huh. Cool. I understood that reference. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do like a lot of like eight bit, or they they did at least a lot of like eight bit music. Mm, like that's cool. like their yeah. So, but there was some other stuff like I, I, I did a deep dive into metric cause I didn't know their whole connection to this stuff. I, I metric is a band who wrote the music for the clash of demon head, um, mm-hmm. Brie Larson's characters band, mm-hmm. uh, in the original, in the film mm-hmm. and ultimately like, you know, wrote and released the song that she sings. I think it's called black sheep that Mm, Brie Larson mm -hmm. sings on the movies song, but on the soundtrack, it's Emily Haynes and metric. Mm. And then metric did a cover in this one of a Sarah McLaughlin song. Yes. Which I, I, not only did I like genuinely love the song, like I listened to it a lot after that. Yeah. Yep. But like, I thought it was just a completely like, fun totally inappropriate thing yes. for a character to do which is yes yep. go to go to scott's funeral yep make it about yourself yep and release a new song yeah. <laughs> during it yes correct and then everyone's it's knives is back there i love you envy it's like yeah i mean it's dead yes <laughs> uh, your boyfriend is dead yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, it's funny. I it, so speaking of envy, one of the things that that did bump me kind of narratively is the coincidence of 
uh, of her being Scott's ex and dating Ramona's, Ramona's ex. ex. Yeah. It's like, even in the, even in the film, even yeah. back the first time I saw it, I was like, these two feel too connected. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the, the Scott and Ramona and feel too connected. Yeah. yeah. It feels too destined. Yeah. Um, which, which to me again is kind of serves the purpose of older Scott being a villain in this as he feels possessive of that destiny. Yeah. Like, no, she's mine. Yeah. And it's not, no dude, like chill. Yeah. And, and I even love like, you know, at the end there's, there's that moment where he's like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, Ramona, uh, future Scott's like, I'm so sorry, Ramona. And she's like, it's fine. Like you should have just asked me or whatever. And he's like, he's like, oh, cool. Well, what about now? Like, can we be together? And she's yeah. like, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you just tried to kill everybody. You know, it's like this, this is like totally real moment. Like any other story would have been like, yeah, sure. We'll give it another shot. Yeah. And she's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, we're not doing this. But, but it's just so it's, just, it, it, I don't know, man. Like I, I really resonated with the, I don't know, the, the super Saiyan fight at the end. Like uh, that was one of the best parts It's so cathartic to watch them just lay down punches together yeah. on old Scott both now having grown like that's the main thing like that's what i want to get across is like in the first film i don't feel like they grew as characters they defeated the obstacles to their relationship yeah but it doesn't feel to me like they grew as people and in this it totally feels like they grew as people yeah i agree i, I came away from the film like you said feeling like Okay, like we've perhaps accepted that someone has a past, but yeah, sure. It, it, it's really one of those things that didn't make Scott seem that great because it's like, first of all, the man's dating a minor. Um, yeah, right. Which is all. It's kind of like, yeah, man, that was really underplayed. What, yeah, dude. Fourteen years ago, it's like that's. I feel <laughs> like uh, they, they definitely like say that this is not a good thing but but yeah it's so just like it's a it, thing but it's 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 no one no one everyone's sort of just weirded out by it but no one says like hey scott like you might get in trouble yeah but then again like, is what's the age of consent in canada maybe it's different oh i have no idea but i don't want to google it <laughs> I, yeah i don't google it but like it, the 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 entire film i believe starts with once upon a time in toronto canada yeah. scott pilgrim was dating a teenager or was dating, a, dating high a high schooler yeah and i'm like whoa Ugh. what a way to, to make me immediately not like your character i don't even know how old he is at this point but he's that like, sentence just he's like he's like 22 or something i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean he's but not I mean, as old I mean, as but wallace I mean, when, when, but yeah, but I mean, like when they show that sentence on screen, dating a high schooler, it's like you don't know how old Scott is. You haven't been introduced to Scott yet, but you already don't like him because you're like, I'm just assuming Gross, he ain't buddy. in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, for all I know, he's 67. Yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> but like, yeah. So so there's that. Scott is, and he flippantly, you know, d d disregards her to pursue Ramona. So yeah. already you feel like this this relationship's not off to a good honest start because it's yeah. he's cheating on his girlfriend and uh pretty yeah. immediately with with Ramona yep. and and then can't tell her about it and it's like this is all relatable but Scott like you're not in high like you're not in high school and maybe yeah. it's like okay Scott's very emotionally mature or whatever that's why he's dating a high schooler in the first place but it's like sure but you also dated Envy Adams who's very clearly like an adult and you know yeah. is kind yeah. of mean and self-centered but mature nonetheless like not not childlike yeah so did, did breaking up with her revert him back to high school maybe that's what they're trying to say. I don't yeah, know. I feel I feel like the point of it was after their breakup, he like emotionally regressed, regressed or yeah. like shut himself off or just wanted to do what was easy. And yeah. and like dating knives was easy because he could control her because she yeah. idolized him. Yeah. And I feel like that was that was a thing. And and yeah, you're right. Like I in in both versions, Scott is not a great guy. <laughs> yeah. And but but likewise, like Ramona's not from the get go. She's not a bad person, No, but you begin to realize like she probably didn't treat these exes very well to begin with. Mm -hmm. And and that's sort of what the, what the, what the show is about is like, you know, you have all these flashbacks of like, you know, how she broke up with Roxy 
or which is just kind of leaving. But but it's like you you learn these things and like she dated the twins mm-hmm. like you know at the same time pretty much. It's like she's not she's not in the clear either. Sure. Um so both of these people are not great people mm-hmm. I- I- independently. And then getting them together you have to if the point is that them together is what works and that that's good for them to be together, you have to sell me on the fact that they've learned from their mistakes. And I don't think that the film taught me that because by the end of the film, he Scott kind of fights alongside knives like their allies. Yeah. And now granted, at the end, I think he makes it pretty clear he's not going to be with her. Like he, he, he breaks up with her. Like, you know, we can't be together, whatever. And so like, great, but there's this moment where they're together. Well, they're together, but like Ramona says, it's obvious like she's in love with you or whatever. Like you should yeah, be with her. And then he's like, with her. okay. And yeah. then he walks off with knives and knives goes, no, you should be with her. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> he doesn't even right. like, he's not even decisive at the end. Exactly. He just, do, he just does what they does both tell him to do. He's super submissive. <laughs> yeah. I, um, <laughs> Yeah, but but like that's the point. Like it's not as cathartic to see him fight alongside knives at the end as it is for him to fight alongside Ramona and yeah. forge forge a better future with her. Yeah. And that's what I feel like you know, granted I never got like a skeevy feeling from their relationship in the first like the fir- in the film. No, um, cuz it's pretty clear that it's it's not sexual yet. At right. least like Exactly. But, but her her fighting with him at the end comes off more like the narrative is just trying to excuse Scott. So we're going to show you that knives is okay and that she's fine and that she's mature enough to help Scott win Ramona, but it makes her seem more like a supporting character to him and not like a character with a lot of, I don't want to say no self-respect, like, like she's like, she would, wouldn't help him, but like you just sort of go, Oh, like this person was a character and now she's just doing whatever the script needs her to do. Yep. Which is help Scott, the protagonist. Right, right, exactly. But like by the end of it, I guess I never really gave it much thought in terms of like, do you think that Ramona and Scott would stay together forever? Like I never really gave it much thought. It was just like, okay, they're together now. Cool. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but with the series, it does feel way more like, yeah, I think they're gonna be okay. Yeah. And like they've learned, they're moving on. That's great. And and another thing that I really appreciate about it as a writer is like I said, it, it it's the case where a writer is able to sort of revise their work in canon. Mm. And 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 it's weird because we've seen, if you think about the Star Wars sequels, we've seen where Han and Leia didn't work out. Right. We saw that, but, but we didn't really see why necessarily, but we saw that it didn't work out, but we don't have this moment where they get to fall in love again. And so what's great about this from like, just a purely like writer's standpoint is you get to revise your old work. You get to expound on it and say, you know what? Probably they weren't going to be okay. But let me write a version where they are going they to be can okay. Be. Yeah. And so and so you, I think I think this film works best when seen as a companion to the original story. I think so. Be, so like don't view this in a vacuum. Like you have to watch this in, in conjunction because yeah. um and and I don't I, I it's nebulous whether to watch it before or after, but like I, I think I'd still watch the film first, but I would space sure. it apart. Sure. Yeah, don't don't tire yourself of this world. <laughs> Which, which admittedly can be tiresome. Don't watch them back to back because you have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. If you have um, Netflix or you, owe, you know, you have one of these, a hard copy, like get, get, yeah. do it a month apart. Yeah, sure. Watch right. it, absorb it, move on, watch other stuff, then come back mm-hmm. and go, okay. Yeah, exactly. You know. But yeah, it, it's, it's just a cool thing for a writer to be able to revise their story in canon and, and, and come out with a version that at least for my money is better. Um, yeah, a, ver- a version so. that feels more hopeful and a version that feels like our characters are better people. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, um, I really enjoy it for that reason, just for the meta-ness of it. And, and, you know, th- 
thinking of of my own writing and thinking like, man, if I wrote something and then a decade later decided, oh, I actually don't like the way that that the way that I did that. Yeah. There's no, there's no, but there's no way to fix it now. Right. It's like, no, there, there is just be creative and, and you can totally fix it. Yeah. And, and so like, I don't know, I'm not invested in this Scott Pilgrim world and you know, the fandom or whatever. I have no idea if there's going to be more stories or like, I don't even know if the comics exceed this story. Like, do they, are they still going? I have no idea. I'm sure someone with money is asking these questions and, and someone I, with money I, I don't think questions. a good decision will be made when it's all said and done. No, but I think that, um, with this version, um, whether there's more or not, like this feels like the canon ending to me. Like, so, so for me, you're right. Watch the film or read the books, whatever, and then come and view this and see the version that's the actual ending for Scott and Ramona. And so it's weird that the story called Scott Pilgrim works better when Scott is gone and that the story (laughs) called Scott Pilgrim, it takes Scott being gone for it to actually become a good story about Scott Pilgrim. Um, and, 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 and yet it does, um, Scott has to go into the future and he has to see what becomes of them. This is, this is, I mean, it's Charles Dickens. It's the ghost of Christmas present and the, or the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas future, but they're happening to two different people and they're both being affected and coming together to rectify these, you know, these problems. Um, and, and I don't know, to me. Yeah, that's just a great, that's just a cool, creative way to tell this story. Well, and it gives you like the action you still get um, from the film, but in better, more fun ways and without the main, it's more complex because like it's, it's certainly um, a mark of the times for both 2010 for the movie and then now for the series where you know, especially retelling the story and doing it this other way where you're trying to do it more mature justice to the human experience. Yeah. To be able to say, all right, um, we are going to have, we are going to have Ramona be the protagonist <clears throat> because she, she, instead of waiting for her boyfriend to confront her exes for her. Yeah. Um, it's more cathartic that she do that herself and repair or grow from these reconnections and for Scott, it's better that he, and so she can't do that because as a controlling person and as just plot wise, like a very skilled fighter that he apparently is that he would just take control of her past in a way. Yeah. Reclaim it for himself through violence. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, Where in the, in the series, they just take him right out of that so that she has room to actually talk to these people and relate to them on a human level. Yep. And then Scott gets thrown in the future where he doesn't really fight anybody except for himself, which is yep. narratively appropriate for his journey, which is it's not about fighting and conquering the evil exes and asserting your dominance over, you know, Ramona's heart. It's, yep. it's about looking down the road and seeing where, where that attitude gets will you lead ultimately. Yes. And so yes. by the time they meet back up, he's like, Hey, I think I learned stuff. And she's like, yeah, me too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And and I just love the the idea of like all the exes fighting alongside them too as yeah. allies. Yeah. Like it's so redemptive. It's like, you know, this idea of, yeah, you, you've had a past, right? You, you've, you've done things and you've been with people that you shouldn't have done and you shouldn't have been with. But there's always hope. And like, you can be friends or at least be allies when the world is ending. And, and like that, that, that's all there is to it. But, but yeah, there, there's two things that the film or that the series does right to, uh, by the film, which is one, the film falls into this trap where it's a little bit like Jasmine in Aladdin, um, goes under Jafar's spell um, it, it yeah. feels a little bit like that where Ramona falls under Gideon's spell again yeah. and she's like his little like henchwoman kind of thing, uh, like slave, slave girl Leia or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
that never really sat right with me. Like, I don't, I don't, I still don't quite understand why that happened. Like, no, nor the ending of the self-respect versus the power of love. It's like, well, but how does, I don't know. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so that, this, this corrects that. Um, But then it also, by, by allowing Ramona to have her own agency throughout the entire story. um, And then, and then, rather than just falling prey to Gideon. Um, and, um, I forgot the second one, but yeah, but that, but that, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a great choice that, that it made. And like, I feel like I know Ramona way more because you, that's a great point you made where she just kind of feels like she's waiting for Scott to overcome this so she can be with him. Yeah. Yeah. Like fine, just do do the thing, just do the thing. And, and that's so passive and she has no agency in that way. Right. And, and, um, and it makes her feel complicit in him having to fight. Um, and in this way, she's not complicit. She is, you know, she's taking control and, and, and doing the hard work herself. And I don't know, that just, it's so much better to me that way. Um, as far as like, <laughs> The the other thing I had to remind myself during the film, and it's because it's a it's a it's live action. The animation I didn't have to do this um, quite as heavily, but like with with the live action, I did have to remind myself like, okay, so why can Scott fight? Like, why does that make sense in this world that this guy can <laughs> yeah. fight? And and the only thing that I c- could come up with and try this on for size is this is the nerds equivalent, the sci fi nerds equivalent of the mu- movie musical where everyone can sing and dance uh, because because they can and it's an abstraction of something yeah. of you know inner of inner monologues expression. and inner yeah. expression um and so the only thing i can come up with as an as an you know like an allegory or an analog to that is is the movie musical everyone can fight because they just can and you put any two people in a room and they can fight and it can be super awesome and epic because it just can um uh, yeah i, I buy that yeah, so I had to I did tell myself that during the live while I'm watching the live <laughs> yeah. action like why can Michael Sarah fight Brandon Routh and win? I well, why is this? And why is it acceptable that we can murder people? Well, this too. <laughs> that, yeah. More, right. And that's more just like the the form follows or the function follows the form. Like <clears throat> we're going to have these people fight as a form of expression, but yeah, since they're video game fights at the end of it they're going to turn into coins. But yeah. like, but you sort of just go, okay, metaphorically, Matthew Patel's been defeated. But then in this one, it's like, no, Scott Pilgrim's dead. Yeah. Matthew Patel killed him. We're at his yep. funeral. Yep. And now he's dead. Yep. But no charges will be brought against Matthew Patel. Apparently, like, murder is okay. Yeah. In, in Canada, at least. If yep. you, no one cares. If you video game kill someone. Right, exactly. It makes you want to watch like a short film <laughs> just, to, just to see a world in which this sort of violence is completely acceptable and legal yes yes is there a difference can you kill somebody with blood and it's not cool but you kill them with coins and it is cool yeah or like, or does just no one die like can you return the coins like to a coin star and then you get the money and the person can get back come back to life <laughs> right second life do 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 yeah like matthew yeah. patel walks out of the coin star machine and he's like thanks for bringing my coins back scott so i could keep living yeah, right. No problem, that, but I did it for the money. I don't I hate you. For some reason in my brain, I did think that these people all respond at the end of the film. Oh, and that's like they right. were all, and that they were all alive. But I don't think they did. Somebody when says that. It. In the show, oh, someone said later when he respawned Oh, the twins. He said later when they respawned at home, like we became friends or something. Oh, okay. But that gotcha. is not mentioned in the film that they respawn. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So yeah. I, that, that never sat well with me. Like he murdered these people. Yeah. They're all dead. <laughs> he kills Gideon. Right. He kills the twins. He kills Lucas Lee. He kills. Well, May another, Whitman. another issue with the plot mechanics of, of the seven X's is like, so they form the Alliance to fight after, I guess just, just before Scott becomes a thing because yeah. they didn't have to fight each other to the death. You know, right. it's it's not like the twins who I think were the, mo- were the most recent. Uh, they didn't have to fight all the others and kill them in order to claim their place. Or Gideon's the most recent, I guess. Yeah. Um. So, but Gideon didn't have to fight and defeat everybody else in order to 
date her. So I guess they only formed this most recently. They just decided that, you know what? Fuck Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah, I, I, we just don't Fuck like him guy. specifically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, look at him with his Michael Sarah hair. So goofy and lovable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this cast is great. Yeah. It's so cool to hear. Like, if you ever hear any of them talk about this film, they're all like, dude, this was like the best film experience ever. So like kudos to Edgar Wright for making it that way. But like I've I've heard, I've seen Chris Evans in interviews just be like, you know, this was a time in our in my career when like I'm hungry and everybody else was that same way. And, you know, it was like months of rehearsal and then you go away and you come back to actually film your scenes. And it's like, you know, it's like a summer camp and it's like all these cool people and you're all into the same things and like you're going to shows together and you do and it's like you, you just kind of like live together for a while and it's like that sounds so fun and yeah. like no wonder they all stayed in contact and um and no wonder that they all blew up like so many of them got so huge after this yeah um and um and, and it's just so cool to see them all come back. Like you would have thought that, you know, if anybody, Chris Evans would be like, no, I'm not doing that again. Or uh, yeah, or Brie Larson or Brie Larson or somebody would have said no. Aubrey yeah. Plaza, you think would have just been like, no, I'm not doing I, like, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't have to do these hipster movies anymore. Yeah. But, but <laughs> like they're all in it and that's so cool to see. And it's just a great cast. And, um, yeah, so but whether we're talking about the film or the or the or the uh series, it's equally great. And uh I love their chemistry together and yeah, it's just fantastic. I think Edgar Wright said that that was like one of the <clears throat> the same from his point of view, which was that that was one of the things that made making that film so fun and special for him, and that the cast has reunited for fan events and stuff over yeah. the years, even as recently as like a 10 year, they had like a 10 year anniversary special or something, yeah. uh, reading or something like that. And they yeah. all came back for it. Yeah. And so I think that is special and that's nice. It's always nice for, for a project to bring people together and not like cause people to hate each other or right, not, right, not right, talk right. to each other. <laughs> Like, well, I always think about like the cast of the Lord of the Rings and how like close yeah. they all seem to be. Yeah. And it's like sometimes you just go through something and obviously like the Lord of the Rings is huge like, Amazing, yeah. on a completely different scale scale than than this is. But um just just in terms of sheer like number of hours you worked on that project. Yeah. But um but yeah, like anytime a cast is is that close and all that like you just know it's something special. Um, that you found the secret sauce. And so like kudos to, um, to Edgar Wright for finding this cast. And I think it, the, I think the casting director is Allison Jones who casts like the office and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, Allison like, Jones is brilliant. Yeah. It's like these people, they know what they're looking for and they know exactly what to find. And, um, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just, totally. it just all was fantastic. Yeah. I simultaneously don't recommend the show, but think it's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> I do recommend the show, but yeah. I, but I would say like it, to, to do star ratings, like the movie's three and a half, the show's four. Um, like they're not perfect, but they, uh, they're, they're, they're cool. And like the, I think the movie's somewhat more accessible to the modern audience just because it's like live action and it's Edgar Wright and it's, you know, whatever. But I would say, it's the, the, the series is the better story and it's the better told of the two. Yeah. And, uh, I just don't know who I would recommend it to. Like it, if you're listening, I guess you have some interest in, in just whatever's good and whatever's decent to watch. Yeah. Um, so like, cool, but like in my personal life, this is not one that I would tell my wife, like, you need to watch this. Right. Like I, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just can't, I, I, I can't bring myself to do it because I just don't think she would appreciate the references and like and like this weird cacophony of noise and re and like things you kind of have to know about a little bit to yeah. understand um yeah uh but i will say i did i did show my wife one scene of the of the series i pulled it up on youtube and it was like i have to just see if somebody has like this one scene and sure enough it's the scene where uh it's the first in the first episode where scott and ramona meet at the party 
and Scott comes up to Ramona. It's kind of this weird meta moment, but um, he says, he says, there's like no, there's no talking. They're just standing next to each other. And he just blurts out as like an icebreaker. Um, did you know that in the nineties, there were two simultaneous Sonic the Hedgehog shows happening at the same time. And they were both voiced by the same guy. And, uh, it, one was, you know, like light and about chili dogs. And the other one was dark and depressing. And, um, and she just goes, Oh, cool. And like, that's it. And I showed that to my wife because I'm like, how did they get footage of our first date? Cause this is exactly <laughs> like, this is exactly what I would have done on that first date. It's like, let me tell you about Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, but it, but it, it is, it is funny though. I understand that why they use that reference. Cause in the film, they talk about Pac-Man yeah. and in, and in this, they talk about Sonic. And I think it's funny because the, the, the punchline is, uh, Scott says, um, can you believe that one actor got to voice the same two different versions of the same or got to yeah play two different versions of the same character? Yeah. And that's a weird meta joke for Michael Sarah being able to play two different versions of the same character. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I I was just like, this is hilarious only because it hits w- way too close to home for how I flirted with my wife when when we were dating. <laughs> I, I stole a mason jar when my wife and I first started dating. So <laughs> did you really? I oh, did. I know this story. I it's did. From, it's, yeah, from the restaurant. It's right over there. Yeah, I still I still have it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a, no. a monument to, to to my moral corruption. To, yes. To well, impress women. <laughs> what's funny is I I told my wife that I was like they got footage of our first date or whatever, and she goes, "You still do that." <laughs> I was like, "Do I?" She's like, "Yeah." The number of times that you just come home and I'm like how was work today? And you go, well, they announced a new movie today and it was this. And like, here's the person who's starring in it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do that. Okay. <laughs> and like <laughs> the, the joke being, how is my day going? Is not like, oh, well this happened at work today. Yeah. For some reason I'm internalizing movie news as how my life is going. Well, they're making Toy Story 5, so you can imagine how <laughs> so you how can imagine I my frustration. <laughs> I also liked in the series here how they they went from like what is Ramona's job and it's like, well, because this is a Netflix show, we can't have her delivering packages for our competitor Amazon. For Amazon, yeah. So we have to we have to say that she delivers Netflix DVDs. Even yes. though this very year and the time they're airing the show, Netflix DVDs are officially not a wing of their business yes. anymore. I Correct. saw that. I was like, I get why y'all did that. But it was kind of like, I guess it's fun and retro. But yeah. I, immediately I was like, but people don't do that. And you know what? Human beings never did that. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like people rollerbladed around and handed out DVDs. No, no. Just came through the mail. Came through the mail. And it's like, yeah. I guess they never did that for Amazon packages either, but. Yes. In the show's defense, I think it does say uh, a short time ago. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't take place in the present. <laughs> that was Reed Hastings' uh, note. Like, yes. hey, we're phasing that out. So just, just yeah. some just quick ADR. Say say this was in the past. Say it was in the past. Yep. Don't, don't yep. confuse people. You're watching the Correct. show and like, oh, can I get DVDs again? I want to go get a DVD. Oh my goodness. Yep. yep. Send me a standard definition disc by mail. I'd like to watch The Town on DVD, please. <laughs> the Town. My, my copy of The Town, I think, is a Netflix DVD. Is it really? Yeah. I'll have to go check later. But I do I'm, I do own that movie. And I'm, I'm I'm 90% sure my copy of The Town is a DVD that I bought from Blockbuster. But it's not a Blockbuster rental. It's you know how they sold yeah. stuff too. <laughs> yeah. I think I bought it at Blockbuster. You know. Do the DVDs, don't they have like a seal on them, like a Netflix seal or something? Did they? Probably. Ooh, I could like frame it up in my house and display it. Yeah, maybe it's worth something. A relic. I know, right? Can you imagine like I call you tomorrow like, Dustin, guess what? I'm a millionaire. I sold my DVD of the town. The town. (laughs) (laughs) To Reed Hastings himself. (laughs) I blackmailed Reed Reed Hastings with this DVD. Yes. This oversight, they never got it back from me. Yep. Yep. Reed Hastings killed three employees as punishment for this oversight. <laughs> How dare you? No wonder we went under. To the How election. many people did this? <laughs> I have to destroy the evidence. Quick, I'll be, I'll pay this man $4 million. I have to just, just shut him up. <laughs> Here's your hush money, Hooper. How much Please do you want? Don't mention this on your wildly successful podcast. <laughs> 
say, I don't know, Reed, I've got a pretty great following. Like, okay, well, how about how's about a million dollars, Reed? Come Maybe. on. Maybe. Well, I, I, all I have to do is say the word on the show. You don't want me to tell all my people about it? All right, $12 million. That's my final deal. <laughs> all right. All right. How about how about twelve five? How about that, Reed? Huh? Uh, hard okay. bargain there, Mister Mister Hooper. But fine, twelve okay. five. You know what? I'll make it thirteen for your troubles. No, don't, don't, because that's not what I fucking said. I said twelve five. <laughs> okay. Fine, you're I'll not, donate the other five to charity. You're not in control here. No, don't, don't donate. You it. dare donate it to charity? Don't donate it. No, they keep don't it. need your five hundred thousand. Nobody gets that money. Okay. What do you think the ASPCA wants your money for? <laughs> Read. Reed, I'm in charge. I'm I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge of everything but my vocabulary. <laughs> that feels like a feels like a left a recycled Barbie joke. I am in charge. I'm in charge. <laughs> she, she should have said that when she came back to Barbie Land and it's all patriarchy. Ken, what's yeah, happening? That's Ken. I'm in charge now. <laughs> I'm in yeah, I am the captain now, Reed. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm right. in charge of this boat. I'm in charge of this boat. <laughs> I'm the boss. <laughs> <clears throat> we'll just end the episode with this both of us coughing. Not even a goodbye, just, That's just the- out. That's the, the stereotypical like animation, <coughs> like <laughs> yeah, quiet. It, yes. it, it, I, I don't remember when that happened, but at a certain point, it was no longer crickets. I think it was when we became older and yeah. we aged out yeah. of crickets being like this this signal for no one's clapping or laughing or cares. Yep. yep. Yeah, that feels like a very cricket. SpongeBob thing and like a yeah. Simpsons thing. Yeah, Simpsons Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Huh? Huh? Uh, what do you think? <coughs> Fine, I'll take my ideas elsewhere. <laughs>